The whole Christian faith begins with a relationship between you and God. But it is also about a relationship between you and others. You cannot have one without the other. Having intimacy between you and God is the first step to achieving true community between you and others. Okay, well, welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here today on this uh, snowy day. Um, our daughter Jordan has been sick all week, and I just realized that in the midst of everything, I forgot my belt today. So, um, life happens, you know what I mean? But we are glad that you're here, and we're in the middle of a series called Road Trip, and in the midst of this series, um, one of the things that we are trying to do is travel in such a way that we get closer to God and we get closer to each other. Now, like the uh, video uh, kind of uh, shared, there's a diagram that's kind of uh, central and key to being able to do this, and this uh, video told us that there is uh, absolutely no way that you can just do God and you, that you just can't have that relationship by itself, and you can't just have the relationship of you and others, but that you need both. You need both God and you, and you need you and other people in your life. And a part of this process also is the fact that it begins with God coming to you. We never are the ones that uh, come to God first. God always comes to us first, and then we have an opportunity at that point whether we'll have a relationship with Him. That's why Jesus was brought uh, to earth. God sent Him to you so you'd have a relationship with Him. And the key to this relationship is intimacy. Intimacy between you and God. Now... The reality is, though, God says that's not enough. A lot of people uh, will say, you know, me and God's enough. That's why I never go to church. I fish on Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, that's what I do. But that's not enough, God says. The key also is this horizontal bar of you and others. Bible reading and prayer will help the relationship with God and you, but you need you and others to be able to go further uh, in that relationship. And the key to this relationship is community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is community and how can I have it in my life? Now, on June 16th, 1971, I was introduced to my first community. And uh, I think there'll be a picture that comes up here. This is my first community. In the top left-hand corner is my dad. Doesn't he look excited? (laughs) Thanks a lot, right? Now, to the right is my mom. You can't tell what her excitement level is, but she's there. And then in the bottom left-hand corner is my brother, Tim. That was the last time he ever held me without dropping me, you know? And uh, after that, I've been dropped many times. And then there is my sister, Lisa, holding me as well. Now, you can't see my face, but uh, I was pretty cute just to be honest, and um, maybe not so much. But, you know, when I came into this world, I couldn't choose my community. I didn't choose my family. It was already chosen for me. But as I grew older, I realized that I could decide what community I wanted to be in and which community 
that I didn't want to be a part of. And the thing that I've learned through my life is, you know, it was so much easier, wasn't it, when we were younger? It was so much easier to build community when you're in elementary school, even in junior high and middle school and high school, and we'll talk about it in a second. But it gets incredibly more difficult, and it's much more challenging when you become an adult. For instance, when I was a little kid, six years old, I'll never forget when Jeff Alderson moved uh, right across the road from us. And I mean, it only took like less than an hour, and I was already running over to their house. How are you? So glad you're here. Let's build community. And it helped out that he had a little dirt bike, too, you know. And any kid that had a dirt bike during that time, you know, you always liked them more, even if they were the snottiest kid on the block, right? Because you wanted to be able to ride uh, the dirt bike around their house. I also remember people that I didn't want to build community with. For instance, uh, the meanest girl on our block was Tiffany Walls, and I didn't like her at all. And one particular day, she was older than me, we were on, a, on the school bus, and as we're going down uh, the road, she takes off my winter hat and she throws it out the window. I never saw that hat again. Just to let you know, I've hated Tiffany Walls ever since then. And, uh, but my day came one day, because eventually, you know, guys get a little bigger and a little more aggressive, and we were uh, on recess when I was about in the fifth grade. And Tiffany came up, and she was saying something, and I just pushed her down. One of the highlights of my life right there. You know? Now, community during middle school, or during uh, elementary school, it's pretty easy. And everyone seems to be friends because everyone's kind of connected and they're together, and there's no prejudices no biases, no kind of preconceived ideas that we have as adults when we just look at people. But then comes junior high and high school. And with it, not only comes zits and pimples, but also comes this pocket of community. In my day, there were hoods and jocks and geeks. Now, that was one group. There were also preps and the drama people and the band and the color guard groups. And there was an affinity for anyone to be a part of some type of group. Now, if you're like me then, you went from high school and you went on to college and you developed another community. And for me, college was like the best. I mean, I didn't have to work. I had all this disposable income that my parents were, you know, forking out. And I didn't have to study that much. And the thing that I could focus on during college was building community. I mean, there were sports and organizations and dorm life. There were intramurals and classes and trips. And there was Jennifer and Jennifer and Jennifer. Now, she's not here today. I'm not talking about three Jennifers, okay? (laughs) Just talking about one, my wife Jennifer, just by herself. And uh, in each of these groups, you had an ability to just naturally be segmented into some community. But eventually, after high school or college, or if you've kind of been a professional student, you eventually have to hit the real world. And when you do, community becomes a big challenge. And as adults, if you're not careful, what you can find is that soon you're kind of led towards isolation. 
and you remove yourselves, you remove yourself from other people. You see, folks, God never intended you to live life in isolation. He didn't. He never intended you to be on an island by yourself. He always intended you to be a part of a family. The Bible says this, God is the one who makes all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted to have many children share His glory. You see, God wanted a family. Even before He created planet Earth, He wanted to have a family, and He wanted you to be a part of His family. God wants you to be a part of His family. In fact, the next verse says this, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. You know, to me, that is one of the most amazing Scriptures in all of the Bible. That God wanted me, that God wanted you to be a part of His family. I mean, the Bible itself is a book in which is just a story of God's people, of God's family. And we get to become a part of it as we read their story and as that story impacts our lives. So the reality is, folks, once you get this vertical piece, whoa, once you get this vertical, those of you that listen to this on CD, I about wiped out. All right. Those of you, uh, sorry, where'd we go? Okay. Once you get this down, hey, it's snowing outside, give me a break. Once you get this down, this relationship between God and you, and what that vertical relationship is about, then God says the next stage you have to go to, if you want the fullest of my life, is you and others. That you build community in the midst of that. You become a part of His family. So let's go ahead and let's read this next verse together, uh, and it'll come up on the board. Let's read it together. Love your spiritual family. Let's do that again, okay? Love your spiritual family. And that's what that means, to love your spiritual family. Did you realize that your spiritual family is going to outlast your physical family? It is. Your physical family is only going to last while you're here on earth. In fact, a lot of families don't even last that long, do they? Either because of unforgiveness or divorce or death, families just kind of fall apart. But your spiritual family, on the other hand, will last for eternity. And so God wants you to learn to love your spiritual family, to live in biblical community. And the key to biblical community is this very first word that we're going to look at. And it's the word fellowship. Fellowship. The key to biblical community is fellowship. Now, first of all, let me tell you what fellowship is not. It is not just going to hang out or to be together or to go to the movies or to go out to eat. Really, it's not even about coming to church. But fellowship is so much more than that. Now, after the celebration, some of you will have casual conversations. And if it's a couple of guys, the conversation will look something like this. Hey, you ready for the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, isn't it next week? Yep, I think it's in Florida somewhere. Oh, really? Yep. Well, do you think, uh, who do you think's going to win? Well, the Colts aren't in it. Well, I know, but there's two other teams. I guess the Steelers. So, how you doing? Not too bad. Well, how you doing? Pretty good. Well, good fellowshipping with you. Yep, you too. And you'll leave. Folks, that isn't fellowship. You know what that is? Two sad guys, alright? That's it. And what they did was they just shot the bull because they might be waiting on their wife or their kids or whatever, and they don't want to look dumb, so they just start talking, you know, like that. And folks, that is not fellowship. But fellowship means this. It means loving God's family. Fellowship means to love God's family. The Bible puts it this way. The person who loves God must also love other believers. We are to love other believers. Now, believers is simply those individuals who believe in Jesus Christ and they're a part of God's family. And the question then becomes, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, the Bible kind of gives us some crystal clear instructions on how to do this. All through the Bible, we're taught how to love God's family, other believers. In fact, 1 Timothy 3 says this, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. And that family is the church. What is God's family? What's His biblical community? Take, take a chance. You're only going to you know, mess up in front of 200 people. So go for it. Who? Church. Yeah. God's family, His biblical community, is the church. And the Bible says that the church is a family. It's your spiritual family that you're going to live for eternity with. In fact, look to the people beside you. Okay? You're going to be with them forever. So you might as well learn to like them now, okay? Don't wait because it's important because you'll be with them forever. You know, a lot of times I'm often approached by religious people and uh, they'll finally find out that, you know, I'm the pastor of the, the jar and they'll go, oh man, yeah, I've heard about the jar and I've seen the billboards and I heard some good things and stuff. And then they'll say something like this. When are you going to build a real church? And I'll be like, well, why don't you tell me a little bit more? And they'll say, well, when are you going to leave the gym, you know, and have like a real church? In fact, I even had a lady come up and tell me one time, when are you going to stop playing church and be a real church? Now, sometimes I can have different responses to that. But on my kinder days, this is what I say. We are a real church. We are a real church. A church is not about a building, folks. And it's not about an institution. It's not about an organization. It's not about a social club that you hang out at on Sunday mornings just to kind of be with other people and let everybody think that you've got it together. The Bible says the church is a family. A family where we hang out together, we love each other, and that's called fellowship. Now the question becomes, how can we have the family, the healthiest family that it can be? 
What is the key to a healthy spiritual family? What's the key to that? And it's one word, folks, and it's the word friendship. Friendship. The key word to a healthy spiritual family is friendship. And I think the best definition for this, because, you know, there's a lot of things out there about friends. Some of you call people that are your friends, they're not your friend. A friend is somebody, if you call at midnight, they're there for you. And a lot of people go, oh yeah, they're my friend. They're not your friend, they're your acquaintance, okay? You know who they are, but they're not there for you in all things. But the best definition of friend is this, learning to share deeply. That you share deeply with the other person. You're there for them. They got your back and you got their back. And no matter what goes on in life, that person is there for you. In fact, the early church believed that so much and the way that they demonstrated it was by hanging out constantly together. The Bible says this, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Now the two key phrases here are they met together, okay, and they shared. And so if you're one of those students, you might want to circle those two phrases because those are the key things. They met together and they shared. There's a guy in our church, he's fairly affluent, and uh, he has a Corvette, and it's nice. And so every once in a while I pull this scripture out and I go, let's share, man. <laughs> you know, you can have my 98 Malibu, it's about ready to die. In fact, I traded him this week. It was great, believe me. Um, but we all do that. But those two things, you met together and you shared Because those are the two things that have to take place if you're going to have a deep friendship with another person. You can't develop friends without meeting together. And you can't develop friends without sharing. You know, the more uh, you meet together, obviously the deeper your friendship is going to be. The more you hang out, the more you're with the person, the more the, the friendship grows. I mean, if you only see a person once a month, right, that friendship is not going to be that great. And it's the same way with God here. If you only hang out with God once a month, the relationship's not going to be that deep. There won't be many blessings in your life. And so it takes time and energy to build a community that both has God and you and you and others. You know, my uh, best friend other than my wife, Jennifer, for the past 20 years as somebody that many of you know. He is our uh, small groups coordinator here at the church, and uh, he and I have done life deeply together for a long time. His name's John Goebel. And uh, from being the best man at each other's uh, weddings, and uh, found a couple pictures here. We're studs. I mean, yeah. The guy on the far right, his name's Mark. We kicked him out. Uh, no, I'm joking. But he's in Oregon now. And uh, you'll see some of our best dance moves, I think, coming up. There you go. We weren't drunk, okay? Some of you are going, uh, no, we weren't. There was no alcohol there at the party. But we shared each other as best men uh, at each of our weddings. And uh, we were there when our daughters were born. And we've been there during some of the lowest moments of our life. We've been there when our parents have struggled with health issues. 
And uh, we've argued at each other. We have uh, disagreed greatly with one another. But ultimately, we've always shared this love because of what God has done in our life. And in the midst of that sharing, we've experienced what it means to do life deeply together. And so today, I want you to hear from my best friend and our small groups coordinator, uh, John Goble. And if you would, uh, why don't you welcome him with me? Hey, hey, John, uh, that's a pretty nice shirt you got there. You want to tell everybody uh, who got that for you? Well, the package said Chris Bunch, but I suspect it was your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. All right. Uh, we try to help John with style, and he tries to help me with substance, okay? So that's kind of where we're at. Well, John, thanks a lot for sharing uh, with us today and talking about our friendship uh, and what that means. And uh, this is kind of a free shot to everybody at the beginning. Uh, you've known me more uh, or the longest than anyone here. Uh, and um, why don't you just kind of share how we first met each other, okay? Well, it was in microeconomics class freshman year in college. And I was in the second row ready to brown nose and get that class participation credit. And old Chris was late. Hard to believe, isn't it? Right. And uh, he sat right in front of me, and I haven't been able to shake him since. <laughs> and I kind of helped us out in that class, if you remember. I, oh, I got yeah. A, uh, I, I got wasn't. A, I'll go there. <laughs> Chris was already connected with the underground, and he had gotten a test. This professor was kind of lazy. He used the same test over and over. We got the underground copy, and we, we studied it. Okay, and then I sit down there, and it's the same exact test, and I start panicking, and so I miss one. Chris doesn't. He gets an A. I get an A minus. Yeah. I mean, heck, I figured if I had the test, go for it, right? You know. <laughs> so that honesty thing that I talked about last week really is important. Uh, it just didn't happen until after college. Okay. <clears throat> well, uh, John, could you talk a little bit about how our friendship kind of moved from, you know, college buddies? to uh, kind of what we've been talking about the last few weeks of uh, something that's deeper because Christ is kind of at the center of that relationship. Sure. Uh, you were taking some guys to a Promise Keepers conference, and you invited me. And uh, from there, I started reading the Bible for the first time, and uh, that's how I met Jesus, and he changed my life. Uh, but we both soon found out that we uh, couldn't do this alone um, we needed someone to share the struggles and the good times uh, that a relationship following Jesus comes with. Yeah. I still remember uh, Promise Keepers. Uh, it's a men's kind of national conference. And uh, John was raised Catholic. And so, you know, you just kind of stood up, sat down, stood up, sat down. And the very, very first time we got there, I mean, people are like throwing their hands up and everything. And the first year we went, John was like this. He just stood there. The next year he clapped. The next year he went like this, and by the final year, man, he was like, God, I'll do anything for you, you know? And so it was kind of neat to see um, how God worked uh, in the midst of that. Well, you know, John, ultimate friendship is when a person is willing to uh, kind of follow another person uh, for the cause of community. And uh, I know you've done that, and can you can kind of just share how that manifested itself 
uh, in the life of the jar? Well, although I felt close to God, um, the church we were attending just didn't have the same passion for reaching out to others that Jan and I were developing uh, through our relationship with God. And then you invited us to move from, Munth- from Indy to Muncie to uh, start a new kind of church, uh, a community rather than an organization. And after praying, studying the Bible, and uh, crunching the numbers to see if we could afford two house payments, we accepted the offer and moved and, uh, to actually practice the community rather than just continue to read about it and talk about it. So you left Indianapolis for this place, had two mortgages during that time. Yeah, uh, just um, God blessed us. Uh, you're weird, you know? Well, <laughs> Well, we only had to pay, do the mortgage for like two months. I mean, we went out on faith and, and God did it. Yeah, I still remember that. We were praying that God would sell the house. And houses in Indy weren't moving that fast. Then, and within a couple of months, that kind of happened. Uh, and, and that's cool. Well, um, <clears throat> through that experience, John, of uh, coming here and starting uh, the JAR, uh, we, we began early on meeting in homes and small groups were all that we had. Very first small group, we had six people. And um, we continue to do that. And I know that your passion for people uh, in smaller groups really kind of happened. And now you kind of champion that uh, cause here. And I wondered if you could just share a story, uh, since you've been doing this for about the last three years, of uh, how small group life has uh, really impacted someone's life. Well, it's tough to select just one, but um, we invited a couple that had been attending the JAR uh, out to lunch and eventually to our small group, and they shared how they um, really didn't have friends. They didn't have people to hang out with, and and we were their only friends, and uh, this was just a couple weeks into it, and um, so, and now, you know, being part of that small group, we're really good friends, um, and they continue to grow in their relationship with God. They're serving at the JAR, building, helping other people build relationships and, uh, with each other and um, with Jesus. And it, it wasn't that their life was horrible or anything of that matter. Um, it was just that they experienced life so much fuller uh, through a community centered um, on Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so I, I want that for everybody. Uh, Humans are wired for community with other humans, and I, I just want to help people get connected um, to experience uh, a full life. Yeah, because what we do here on Sunday, I mean, you know, you can get lost pretty easy, but it's really cool when you can, you know, be with a, a smaller group. Well, you know, one of our goals for this year, John, that we've done for our theme is Align in 09. Uh, let's all say that together. Align in 09. And uh, one of our goals in the midst of that is uh, community and how we do that. And we're actually going to uh, read this out loud. I think you're going to lead us uh, of what the community goal is, and it'll come up here. Share in community. Regularly attend Sunday celebrations. Hold on, John. you got to help them. Sometimes they don't follow you. So, what? Uh, let's all do this. That means all of oh. us, okay? Just, just sitting in a duet. I right? just listen to my voice. One, two, three. Share Share in community. community. Regularly attend Sunday celebrations. Be a part of a small group with ten other people. 
And that's one of the things that we want for every single person here by the end of the year, that you'd really say, hey, I'll at least give it a try. And I know, John, in March, um, we're going to have an opportunity for people to experience this just for four weeks, that they commit to that. And that experience is going to be called Walk Across the Room. It's going to be an entire church-wide campaign, and uh, we are going to be encouraging folks to kind of do this just for four weeks of how we can walk across rooms uh, to really impact lives um, for eternity. And I know a key piece of that, John, is uh, small groups. And so can you talk about how a couple ways maybe that people could participate uh, in that? Sure. If you're already part of a small group, you're covered. You'll be hearing from your uh, small group leaders that about the next uh, walk across the room. Um, but if you're new, you're, you're wanting to join a small group, you can talk to me. Uh, you can On the Connect card, you can check the box there. Or over at the Connections table, there's a little yellow card that you can fill out and say, I want to walk or walk across the room, something like that. Um, and it, it, the, the neat thing is it's just four weeks. That's all you're committing to. And um, if you don't want to leave your home, you can actually host one in your own living room. And because uh, there's a DVD that will help you lead it, um, it has all the questions. And you don't have to be a biblical scholar to, to host one. I'm surely not. And I host one. Yeah. So basically, if you can put a DVD into a DVD player... Uh, you can well, yeah, it. push play. Okay, push play. Right. And and you'll even buy buy a DVD for people. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. This guy's tight. He's tighter than anybody I've ever met. So if you don't have it, even if you have one, just call him and say, "I need a oh, DVD." Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for uh, what you do for small group life and uh, the selflessly way that you kind of serve. Uh, for all of us to be in community, and uh, let's let's give John a hand. Well, you know, friends, the thing that really keeps us from community is one word, and that word is fear. We're just afraid. That's why a lot of times people don't get into small groups because. You know, I don't know what to experience. Maybe it'll be too weird. Maybe it'll be too overwhelming. Maybe they'll ask me to, you know, give up my firstborn child or something like that, you know. And we just have all these things in our heads. And the second piece is time. I just don't have time for that. But I'm telling you, folks, you don't have time not to do that because it's that important for you to grow in your relationship uh, with God. You know, I'll never forget Jennifer and I being pretty scared the very first day that we opened up our home six years ago to six other people. And they came in. We had no idea what to expect. But I'm so glad we opened our home and we had a small group to be a part of. Because from those six people, now we have about 250 adults and children that are together. And we're doing life deeply together because some people took the risk of community. You know, friendship, learning to share deeply is key. Friendship is key to your own personal health, to the health of your family, to the health of this church. And I really do want to encourage you, before you leave today, if you've never done the small group thing, go over there and just say, you know what, I want to try it. I'll try it for four weeks in March and just kind of go from there. You know, Jesus said this one day, 
The greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. How many of your friends have died for you? Anybody? Yeah, that's why I thought. It's about none. You know? And the reason is, is because our friends don't love us that much to die for us. But there is somebody who did. He knows you best. He loves you most. And he's head over heels in love with you. And he is the one who went to the cross just for you so that all of your flub-ups and screw-ups and mess-ups could kind of be wiped up because of his relationship with you. So that you could have a relationship with God. And this whole thing is a cross, you know. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's from God to you, to you to others. Those two bars that come together, that's the essence of what it means to follow God. He died because of His great love for you. That's why He did it. He didn't do it for any other reason because of His love for you. And He really does desire that you'll have the same relationship with Him, an intimacy with Him. But the choice really is up to you. You know, this kind of relationship doesn't happen by accident. It takes work. It takes time. Because the only way that you can grow closer to God is by spending time with God. And the only way that you get friends is that you make friends. You know, one of the reasons why people are lonely is not because they don't have anything to do. The reason why people are lonely is because they don't have anybody to do it with. Did you hear me? It's not that they're lonely. They don't have things to do. There's tons of things to do. They just don't have anybody to do it with. And the reason is they're not willing to build friendships. So you get to the end of your life and people ask this question, where are all my friends? And the reality is you spend all that time on yourself or afraid to take a risk and it just doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by luck. You have a choice to build community. The Bible says this, Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Be devoted. Devotion to each other. There's a picture that will come up. It's a uh, picture of uh, Chad and Valerie Morris. Chad and Valerie uh, came to the jar two weeks after we started right here in this gym. Uh, We had the yellow curtain then and we met on this side. And neither one of them had ever connected with God very much at all. In fact, uh, Chad always tells me that it was only about the third or fourth time he'd ever been to church when he had to get married. And he's like, well, I was at least there for, you know, that time. But Chad and Valerie just kind of gave it a shot. They started coming, and they came fairly regularly. And their lives began to change. But as their lives were changing, blessings were coming, a couple months after that, a tragedy hit their life. Chad's mom kind of unexpectedly died. And when that happened... The small group that was reaching into his life said, what can we do? And they just took it on themselves to go ahead and they provided all of the meal, all of the food while the family was at the funeral home. And they visited and they prayed and they loved on Chad and Valerie during that moment and through the years that have been since then. And today, Chad and Valerie would say this, it wasn't our family, it wasn't our own determination, it was a small group of people called our church family that served like Jesus and made the difference for us in such a way that we have to give our lives away for the cause of Christ. In fact, I was talking to Chad recently and he told me, you know, I'll never forget. I thought it was so weird. These people that had only known us for two months were walking in with all of this food. 
And he said, but as they walked in, I finally figured it out. Being a Christian wasn't just learning more about God, but it was living out God's ways. Friends, this is what it's all about. God and you and you and others. Being willing to give yourself up to God for intimacy and away to others for community. You know, as a pastor, I've stood by the bedside of many people who were dying. In fact, I had 24 funerals the first year that I was a pastor at the first church uh, where I was at. I've buried so many people I can't remember uh, what the number is anymore. But you know, all the times that I've stood there, as people were there taking their last and final breath, I've never heard them say this, Could you go get all my awards and my diplomas? I want to look at them one more time. And I've never heard anyone say, Could you bring that trophy that I bowled a 300? I want to look at it one more time. And they don't say, Could you bring that gold watch that I won at retirement? Because I want to look at it one more time. And they don't even say, Could you bring my Blackberry to me? Because I just want to have one more text that I can give to somebody one more time. That's not what they say, folks. You know what people say when I'm at that moment and they're at their last moment? They say, where's my friends and family? That's all I want. You just bring them. You see, friends, it really is all about you loving God and then you loving other people. That's what all of it's about. And you get those two bars connected together, that's the essence of life. You'll live more abundantly than anyone in this world when that comes together. Jesus said this, Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus didn't say this. He didn't say, The bumper sticker on the back of your car, the fish on your uh, trunk, He didn't say the Christian t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, what about you? You know, And he didn't say, just make a list of all the dirty things in life, and if you just don't do any of those things, you're good. That'll prove to everybody that you're a Christian. No, he said it's by your love, right? He said your number one response as a follower of Christ is to be known by your love. That you love God and that you love other people. So I just want to ask you this morning, how are you doing? How are you doing in loving God? How are you doing in loving other people? Because for some of you, today you might be ready for the first step of your life to accept Jesus as Lord of your life and say, you know what, I need this. I need this vertical relationship in my life. And you're ready to do that. And uh, I'll give you an opportunity in just a little bit. Others of you, you're ready to show this publicly. You're ready to say, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not ashamed of it. I want people to know I'm a follower of Christ. And on Thursday, you can come to my house as we'll talk about baptism at 7 o'clock. And you've never even thought about it, but today is your day that, you know what, I'm ready to take that next step. And then for others of you, you're ready to make the step of, you know what, I haven't been a part of a small group. 
But I don't know really what's been keeping me. Maybe it is fear. But today, I'm ready to say I'm going to give that a shot in March. Just four weeks where I'm going to kind of learn how to do this thing called community. I mean, and all of us can do that one. Every single one of us can say, I'm going to give four weeks where I'm just going to kind of do it. And after that, you know, I'll kind of see. You see, friends, every person here has a next step that God wants you to take. The question is, what is the next step? But this is my hope and prayer for you. That you will make a step to step up to God. And that you'll take a step across to love somebody else. Let's stand for closing prayer. You know, God, um, next to having a relationship with you, the second greatest gift that you've ever given us is the opportunity for us to be a part of your family. And thank you, God, that we're not disconnected and we're not isolated. And some people may have felt that even as they walked in, that they're kind of on this island, even as they sit during this time where we're talking about community, they don't feel it in their own life. And so I just ask God that you would help them to connect with some people, to take a step, a risk, uh, to be connected here in the jar in a small group. And God, for some people today, they're ready for you to be a part of their life. They've been coming maybe for a little while, maybe for a long time, but they're ready to finally pray a prayer that would say, God, I want you in my life. And you might just kind of pray this silently to yourself if that person is you. Say, God, I want you to be a part of your family. I want to learn to love my spiritual family just like you do. And I want to grow and take one small step closer to You. Give me the guts to love You and love others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, make sure you sign up for the baptism class or for a small group. And uh, the Reveal survey is in the conference room. Have a great week and know that you're loved in this place. Thanks.